I don't, I don't know how old you are, Kaya, but I, um, I got baptized when I was 14 um, in front of my church and my family and friends, and I was not nearly as articulate <laughs> as, as, as she is. So it's always fun. It always fills my heart um, whenever I get to see somebody talk about the change that has happened in their life. Um, we got to see, um, I don't know, how old is Ellie? Somebody tell me how old. How old is Ellie, Nikki? She's eight, so eight-year-old in first service, uh, teenager um, here in second service. It's just it's fun to be a part of a church <laughs> that continues to see life change happen, even in even little kids, mid-sized kids, bigger kids, and some of you adults, really, really big kids. It's fun to, fun to lead a church like that. Um, it's also fun to be back in the saddle again. I've been, been away for the last three weeks. Um, being a normal church person, I don't get to do that very often. Um, we got to sit by my wife in church, uh, get to engage in the worship like, um, like you guys normally do. And um, I was just as enthralled with Mark's message series fitting the entire book of Ephesians into three weeks. He did a fantastic job. In fact, he's inspired me to do the entire book of Revelation today. <laughs> just kidding. I'm not going to do that. Um, but I was telling Mark earlier in staff meeting this week, his first attempt at a sermon series was way better than my first attempt at a sermon series. I'm really glad there were no cameras or recording equipment back then uh, whenever I did my first series, but he did a, did a great job. Now today, um, I know it will not shock anybody, um, but I, I want to talk about contentment today. This is the, the time of year where things like this are at the forefront of our mind, moving into Thanksgiving, uh, Christmas is just around the corner. Um, so I want to talk about contentment. And when I say contentment, um, I don't mean the kind of contentment where you just settle for what you have or you're just, you know, happy with what you have, although that's a, that's a, that's a great pursuit. Um, but what, what I want to talk about when it comes to contentment is the, that deep, what I think Paul is actually going to teach us today, the deep joy, that deep satisfaction in life. Um, and, and, and the reason I want to talk about this, there's a couple, actually a couple reasons, but um, I want you to think about um, if you guys remember the, the cartoons where there was a, the, the floating text box or the floating cloud above the head that had a thought or whatever. I want you to think about in your own life, if there was a, a cloud that was above your head and in that cloud was a contentment gauge, like a fuel gauge, would yours don't answer out loud? because that would just be weird, okay? Talk about it at lunch later. But is your gauge trending towards full? Is it in the middle? Is it trending towards empty? Where, where is your contentment gauge at? Today, right where you sit, what's your current level of contentment? And, and, and that's one of the reasons I wanna talk about this, because I think regardless of where we are, regardless of what we're experiencing, I think we all want more contentment. We all want to experience more joy, the deep joy and satisfaction in our life, regardless of what our circumstances are. We, we all want that. Um, but, but the second reason I want to talk about this um, is, is because I, I, I've noticed, maybe you have too, but I've noticed just a, a spike in the level of collective discontentment in our culture. There's 
And it's just, I can't necessarily put my finger on it. It Maybe it's left over from COVID stuff. I don't know, but it just seems like if, if it's not trending towards empty, it's at least being tested. Our collective contentment's being tested uh, more than at least at any other point in my life. And, and maybe that's not been your experience, but it's certainly been mine. <clears throat> I, have, um, I have had moments over the past couple years where my contentment gauge was just, it was just towards empty. It probably even was on empty at different points. And this isn't a sob story, okay? I'm fine. Don't write a letter or email. I'm good. I really am, okay? This is just for me to say, today's message isn't for you. It's for us. <laughs> this is, I'm including myself in this. Because it just, it, there's, again, I, I can't necessarily put my finger on it, but it just feels like there's, there's this depletion of joy and depletion of peace. And if I'm totally honest, just discontentment. And I, I don't know that I've ever... Um, I've ever experienced that. I've never experienced a season like that for as long as it's been in my life. And so I thought, okay, Sunday before Thanksgiving is probably a good time for us to talk about this. Um, and, and, and the way I want to do this is I want to point you to a passage um, in Philippians. So if you have a Bible or a mobile device and you want to find that, find Philippians chapter 4. Um, Philippians is known as the book of joy. Um, and that's just... It's kind of odd to me, not that it's called the book of joy, but it's odd because it wasn't written in joyful circumstances. Um, the Apostle Paul actually wrote Philippians while he was in prison for doing what God asked him to do. That will mess with your theology a little bit. But Paul is in prison for doing what God asked him to do in this, this Christian hater turned Christian maker turned church planters, one of the most influential Christians in history. In the midst of all that, he writes this, this letter of joy to the church in Philippi. In the first chapter, um, he, he, he talks about how thankful he is for them and their partnership in the gospel. In the second chapter, he, he writes this, um, it, it's almost this poetic, um, th- th- just, it's just one of the best passages in all of the New Testament that we should take on the same posture, the same attitude that Christ did. Just, just beautiful picture of what it looks like um, to, to follow Jesus and to be like Jesus. In chapter three, um, he talks about the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus as Lord talks about the relationship that you can have with the God of all things through Jesus by the power of the Spirit, not to get God to love you, but because he already did in Jesus. And then in chapter 4, he he addresses the issue of contentment. And, And anybody who talks about contentment from prison makes me lean in and listen, makes me pay attention to what they have to say. So it's this physical, it's, it's emotional place where you'd almost give him a pass if he wasn't content. You kind of want to say, Paul, you're in jail, bro. <laughs> right? Like, we, you're there because God, you're doing what God told you to do. I'll give you a pass on this one. Like, you have every reason not to be content. And yet Paul writes with this tone and this attitude and, and all this instruction 
for what it, likes, what, what it looks like to, to be content regardless of the circumstances. And these words, this truth, um, Paul's personal experience, it, it all wraps up into something that we should probably pay attention to regardless of where we're at. Um, and, and maybe it's just something I need to pay attention to, but I have a feeling I'm not. So that's what we're gonna look at today. I wanna walk through uh, what he says in chapter four uh, about finding and keeping contentment when circumstances don't necessarily lead us there. Here it is, starting in the fourth verse of chapter four. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Now, every single one of those verses at some point has made a cup or a mug that you could buy at Mardell. Okay? We could spend a week on each of those verses alone. But here he's addressing that tension that we all feel is like, okay, do you feel discontent? Are you lacking peace? Do you, do you feel like there's a, a shortage of joy? Do you lack satisfaction? Paul's, Paul's like, let me, can I speak to that? Can I talk to that? Are you willing to hear this? And, and Paul starts by saying, rejoice in the Lord. And then just for added emphasis, he adds, I'll say it again, rejoice. And anytime you see something back-to-back in Scripture, you should pay attention to that. Rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again, rejoice. He's, he's encouraging us to give thanks and praise to God, to delight in God for who he is and for what he's done. That's where contentment starts. It starts with rejoicing in the Lord. So if you want your contentment back, if you want the gauge to start trending towards full, if you want joy, satisfaction, peace... That's where it starts. Rejoice. Paul says rejoice. Remember to rejoice. If you want those things or if you want those things back, it starts with thanksgiving to God. And, and, and then he says, of course, you can ask God to intervene in your circumstance. Absolutely. Petition him. Ask him. But do it with a posture. Do it with an attitude of thanksgiving. So rejoice in the Lord always. It starts there, approaching him with an attitude of thanks. And I think he's just on to something. There's, there's a truth here, whether we like it or not, whether we believe it or not, whether we feel it or not, it's just true. Gratitude is the gateway to contentment. Gratitude is the gateway to contentment. If, you lack, if you're lacking peace, if you're lacking joy, if you're lacking satisfaction or contentment at work, in your relationships, marriage relationship, relationship with kids, relationship with your parents, if, if there's a lack of, of joy, satisfaction, peace, contentment in your spiritual life, gratitude is the gateway. It starts there. Contrary to popular belief, and this is, this is what we're going to talk about starting next week in Advent Conspiracy. Contrary to popular belief, accumulation is not the gateway to contentment. Accumulating stuff, accumulating status, accumulating likes, accumulating friends, whatever it is, accumulating fill in the blank that doesn't produce contentment. And some of you know that because you've tried. 
You've tried, or you're trying right now, and there's just, ugh, what is that? It's not working. It's because accumulation doesn't lead to contentment. Appreciation leads to contentment. Gratitude is the gateway to contentment. So start with rejoicing in the Lord. Okay, now, here's the rub. Okay, some of you are already thinking it, so let's just call it out. You hear that, and you go, okay, I'd kind of expect a pastor to say that. Kind of expect to hear that in church. But here's my problem. I don't feel grateful, Paul. And, and, and my circumstances aren't exactly helping me with this contentment thing. My relationship's a mess. I can't stand my job, my health, my kids, whatever the reason. I don't feel grateful. So how am I supposed to be grateful when I don't feel grateful? Just feels like there's some discombobulation there. Well, Paul doesn't tell us to feel something. It's not what he says. Here's what he says. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. What you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice and the God of peace will be with you. So here's what Paul's saying. If you lack peace, if you lack joy, if you lack contentment, gratitude's the first step. It's the gateway to getting those things back, to filling the gauge back up. But gratitude is not just a feeling, it's a focus. It's a focus. It's a choice, a decision we make. When we feel depleted of joy, depleted of satisfaction, depleted of contentment, when we don't feel like rejoicing, you read that first part, rejoice in the Lord always, and then I'll say rejoice. You read that first part, and it's like Paul's saying, buck up. Just be thankful, right? Now, <laughs> if you had parents like me, sometimes I needed that, but when they say, why won't you be thankful? It didn't really help me be thankful, Right? So that's kind of what it feels like. When I say, I, I, I can't do that. I don't feel like being grateful. And Paul says, it's not a feeling. It's a focus. It's a decision that you can make. Let me show you how. Gratitude is a skill we learn. It's a habit. We practice. It doesn't come naturally, to which all the parents said, amen. That's right. Because we don't have to teach our kids to say, gimme. We have to teach our kids to say, thank you. Over and over and over again. <laughs> My mom still has to teach me to say thank you. And I'm 44. Right? Like, I'm still learning this. It's a skill. It's a habit that where, we, where we intentionally pay attention to, focus on the things in our life that are good, true, noble, right, pure, lovely, admirable, excellent, praiseworthy, intentionally identifying those things and then focusing on them. Paul says, think about such things. Thinking is something you do intentionally, which is good news, okay? This is good news for some of you because some of you are on the gauge, you're, you trend towards Eeyore, you do. And if you didn't laugh there, you're probably one of them. Right? But you, you, your disposition, 
Your, your, your demeanor is just, it's, you're just geared that way for whatever reason. And this is good news because this isn't about a disposition or a demeanor. This is about a decision. It's a decision you make. You can shift your focus to things, to people, to circumstances that you're grateful for, and then you practice it over and over and over again. It's a skill that you can learn to focus that we can set. So how might that look? Here's, here's one idea. If you struggle with discontentment or you're struggling with it, if, if, you, find, if you identify as somebody who, who needs to practice this or create a habit, create some kind of focus of gratitude, here's my suggestion. Get a notebook. And at the top of that notebook, and maybe this is a daily spiritual habit for you, it's a spiritual practice that you need to get into. Get a notebook, and at the top of that notebook, across the top of the page, just write good, true, noble, right, pure, lovely, admirable, praiseworthy, excellent. And then under each of those words, you think about the things in your life, and you write down something in your life that word describes. And then you go to the next word. What's something in my life that word describes? And then you go to the next word. What's something in, that, in my life that that word? It's over and over and over again. Then you go back to the first word and you come up with something else and the second word and come up and you just create this page. And guys, it's not journaling. <laughs> it's a spiritual exercise. It's not journaling. Don't call it journaling, okay? Just do it. Do it for a week. Do it for a month and see what that does with your contentment muscles. See what that does to your heart. See what that does to your posture. That could be the habit to get you kick-started. Or um, another way to do this, there are a few of you that do a version of this already because you've told me. One of them came up to me after service, first service, and told me this is what they do every day. They take a walk every single day. And for the first 15 minutes, the only thing they do is thank God. That's all they do. Over and over and over, this is what I'm thinking, God, before they ask God for anything, before they listen to a podcast, before you listen to the Bible app, whatever it is, they spend the first 15 minutes thanking God for everything that they can come up with. And let's just call this out. There will be days where it will take you 15 minutes to come up with one thing. And there will be days where you will fill the whole 15 minutes and beyond. If it doesn't come naturally to you, if you're in a season where you're depleted, this is a skill you can learn. It's a habit you can focus on. It's set before you. For, for some of you, you just need to set aside the first 15 minutes. Okay, start with five. Sometime in the morning, before you check your email, before you get out your phone, before you start thinking about work or school, hey, if you really want it, like you want to be like the Rambo of Christianity, do it before you drink any coffee. <laughs> and just spend five minutes, spend 10 minutes, spend 15 minutes just laying in bed, going through all of the things in your life that you're grateful for. Because gratitude is the gateway to contentment. It's a habit. It's a skill. Not just when you feel like it, even if you don't feel like it, especially if you don't feel like it. Set a gratitude alarm on your phone or your watch for every single day. And whenever the thing goes off, you just start going. What am I grateful for? What, what do I have to be grateful? Maybe it's the end of the day for you, right? Your, your kids are young. You're going a thousand miles a minute from the time that they wake up. 
Get the kids in bed. The house is quiet, finally. Instead of picking up a book, instead of mindlessly scrolling on your phone, instead of turning on the TV and vegging, just 15 minutes. Just spend 15 minutes listing out all the things you're grateful for. And that habit of practicing gratitude, the skill of identifying and giving thanks for the things and the people in your life, don't miss this. Paul says, the guy who's in prison says, the peace of God (laughs) that transcends all understanding will actually guard your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. So it's not just about practicing gratitude. There's actually a guarding your heart and mind component of this. Greater peace leads to greater joy. Greater joy leads to greater contentment and gratitude is the gateway to contentment. But wait, there's more, okay? It's like there's a PS section. If you establish this habit, if we can establish this habit, some other things are produced in our life. Verse 10, I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. I'm not saying this because I'm in need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. And in the verse that's on every high school locker room, I can do all this through him who gives me strength. Right? Paul, he's talking about the posture of gratitude, this intentional practice of identifying things that he's learned that every season, every season has a reason to be grateful. He says, even though you forgot about me for a while, (laughs) even though you forgot, I'm so grateful you remembered when I was sitting there in jail. So he's identified, he's communicated what he was grateful for and how he's learned to be content in every and any circumstance. And then he adds verse 13 that has been taken out of context so many different places. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength, which is just another way of saying I've learned to be content in every season. And even if I can't find one single thing in my life, I still have Jesus. I still have Jesus. His, his, his love for me is always with me. He's always for me. His love and acceptance is always available. As we heard for the last three weeks, he's always in me as I remain in him. So even if I can't think of anything else to be grateful for, I've got something to be grateful for, and his name is Jesus, and there is strength in that. It does not mean, Philippians 4.13 does not mean that you can squat 400 pounds. It doesn't. It doesn't mean that you're going to go out tomorrow and start a Fortune 500 company. That's not what it means. It means in every situation, good or bad. In every circumstance, when you have plenty and when you have want, in every situation, there is a reason to be grateful. Paul says he developed that muscle, that skill, that habit And that's how he found contentment, learning to be grateful in every and any season. He goes on, verse 14, yet it was good of you 
to share in my troubles. Moreover, as you Philippians know, in the early days of your acquaintance with the gospel, when I set out from Macedonia, not one church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving except you only. For even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent me aid more than once when I was in need. Not that I desire your gifts. What I desire is that more be credited to your account. I've received full payment, have more than enough. I am amply supplied now that I have received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent. They are a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice pleasing to God. So let's just call this what it is. This is the worst thank you note ever. Right? It's, it's like, he's th- <laughs> thank you so much for the gift. I didn't really need it, but thank you anyway. Like Paul is that just type A personality. He's just going to go, right? But there's something here that we can't ignore. He's, he's saying that he's practiced the habit of gratitude. He's learned he didn't need as much as he thought he did. In fact, he says he has way more than he needs. So terrible thank you note but it's also proof of the death of entitlement in Paul's life. This is the death of entitlement. He recognized on paper that he had more to be grateful for than he currently had. That's the death of entitlement. When it's same, it's the same can be true for us. The more we're able to enjoy what we currently have, the less we feel entitled to. And Americans... We do not do this well because we live in the land of plenty and there's always more to be had. There's always more to get. The way you kill entitlement is by practicing gratitude. The more you practice it, the less entitled you'll be and the more you'll celebrate what others have. The more you'll celebrate, instead of grumbling, complaining, instead of comparing, with what somebody else has that you don't, when we're grateful for what we do have, we're actually able to celebrate them. And it's not fake. It's not whitewashed. It's authentic because as you practice over and over and over, you realize nobody owes you anything. Nobody owes you anything. And when you realize that nobody owes you anything, you're free to enjoy everything that comes your way without stumbling over what comes their way. So Paul says, I'm practicing gratitude. I've learned in every season has a reason to be grateful. It's killing my entitlement. I'm so grateful for the gift that you gave me. You didn't need to send me a thing, but I'm still grateful. I'm still grateful and I'm going to enjoy it all the same. And then he closes with this. I love this. Encouragement from a guy sitting in jail, just want to remind you of that, has seemingly has very little, still confident. Still confident in what God's going to do. He says, and my God, will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. He's sitting in jail. Have I, have I said that yet? Okay. Probably not the most comfortable place. Probably didn't want to be there, but he's practicing gratitude. He's rejoicing in the Lord always. I'll say it again, rejoice. He's developing the habit, the muscle, the attitude of gratitude. He's able to appreciate everything he has. And as he does all of that, he's able to look at somebody else and go, you know what? I am, I'm confident God is going to show up and provide for you too. And, and you've seen this in people. You know people like this. They're, they're so full of gratitude, like it spills out on you. 
It spills out on the people around them because grateful people are hopeful people. You've maybe never thought about it like that, but that's, that's what you've seen. Grateful people are hopeful people. When you're grateful for what God has done in your life, when you're able to identify it and celebrate it, your hope and your expectations for what God is going to do in their life rises too. Contentment doesn't stop with you. It leaks. It spills. It splatters onto the people around you. So so what am I saying? here's, Here's what I'm saying. Have you ever made chocolate milk? You ever made chocolate milk? I'm not a big chocolate milk guy. I made it a lot for my kids when they were younger. Um, and, and you can make chocolate milk with powder or you can make it the sanctified way with syrup, <laughs> right? There's a difference. There's a big difference between those two. And, and what you do is you pour the milk into the glass first. You don't put the chocolate in first unless you're an ax murderer. You put the milk... <laughs> You put the milk in the glass first, and then you give it about a 10-second squeeze. Just, just get it all in there, right? Like, give me all the chocolate syrup, right? But what does that chocolate syrup do? Yeah, sinks to the bottom, and it just stays there. It just, it just congeals. That's a fun word to say, congeals. When we develop the intentional habit of gratitude. When you take the time, what in my life is good and true and noble and right and admirable and praiseworthy and excellent and pure, when you practice that in your life, it's like the peace and the joy and the satisfaction and all that stuff that's been clogged up, all that stuff that's congealed on the bottom of your heart, when you take the first 15 minutes of your day or the last 15 minutes of your day or the first 15 minutes of your walk and you just list those things out, you know what you're doing? You're stirring up joy. You're stirring up peace. You're stirring up that congealed satisfaction on the bottom of your cup. (laughs) You feel defeated? Do you feel depleted? Do you feel like your joy has been sapped? Your peace has been stolen? If I had one, I'd recommend a big old glass of gratitude. A big old glass of gratitude encourage you just to stir it up. This is what Paul teaches as the antidote to discontentment. And I think we should pay attention to what he has to say. Gratitude is the gateway to contentment. It's not just a feeling you're supposed to conjure up. It's a practice. It's a habit, a skill you can develop. And as you do, it combats entitlement. It combats the lack of joy. It combats the lack of hope. You remind yourself of where God is working. You'll see where God is working, where places you may have missed. And you'll stir up the contentment in your life. And here's the most important part. You can do all of those things through Christ who gives you strength. You can. I can. We can. And so, why not start right now? Why not start right now? I want to close our time together in prayer. Um, but maybe a better way to think of this is that we are going to spend this moment in prayer together. Because I want to encourage you, 
in the last few moments here together, you take a minute and just begin giving thanks. To start working through those gratitude things, to start working your gratitude muscles and just listing off the things in your life that you're grateful for. If it helps to bow your head and close your eyes, go for it. But I just want you in your mind and your heart to start listing everything you can think of that you're grateful for and rejoice in those things. Praise God for those things. His family, the salvation that he provides, that, that difficulty in your life that's taught, taught you to persevere, your kids, the fact that you're going to be able to go and have lunch today, the beauty of creation, grace, family you'll spend time with later this week, some of whom will drive you crazy, <laughs> but it will teach you to love. If you've got nothing else, you have the victory over sin and death through Christ. Just spend, just spend a couple seconds Father, there, there are some of us who haven't even, <laughs> we haven't even gotten started yet. For some of us, we're struggling to come up with one more thing. And God, for some of us, this is, this is a habit, it's a practice, it's a skill that um, for whatever reason we've already developed. For some of us, this is a habit and a skill that um, honestly has been challenging to hear about today. God, would you help us with this? We want to be people. I, I think, well, maybe I want to be somebody who, who learns how to be content in any and every situation. I want to I be the kind of individual who is so overflowing with, with contentment and joy and peace that it spills out onto the people around me. And I think if, if we're honest, that, that's not always how we operate. That's not always how we think. We have not been thinking about these things that are true and right and noble. And, and, and we've allowed the, the thoughts of this world. We've allowed our own selfishness. We've allowed the, our, our eyes to be bigger than our heart. And God, if there's correction to be made, Spirit, I pray that you would correct us, you would discipline us, that you would, um, you would help us, that you would lead us to the truth, and then that we would obey. Not just so that we can, um, we can be content, not just so that we can get rid of that nagging, that, that, that cloud that just kind of always um, lives over our emotions or our life so that we can be people that are truly grateful, regardless of what we have or what we don't have. We can be people that, that, that are truly content and full of joy and peace and love. 
because of the work that you've done in our lives, and then that it would spill out, that we would be hopeful people because we're grateful people. God, my, I pray that you would remind us that, um, that when I say amen, it's not the finish line, it's actually the starting line. That our prayer is that you, that, that, that we would leave today and practice this. That giving thanks wouldn't simply be something that we do once a year, but that it would become the habit of our lives as we stir it up over and over and over again. And we pray all of these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thanks for being with us today, everyone. Have a wonderful week of food and family and friends, and we will see you next week. Happy Thanksgiving.